Good morning, everyone. <laughs> or Amahoro, as we say in Burundi, Amahoro, which is peace, hello. So uh, it's so lovely to be with you again this morning. Thank you so much for your um, welcome. Um, so yeah, Mark has given me this title, Discipling a Nation. Um, and uh, do I have to do something to make the... Oh, me and technology, we are not friends. <laughs> anyway, I would just like to start, thank you, uh, by... Way, thank you so much. It's a good job God gives people with lots of different gifts, isn't it? <laughs> Um, I would just like to start off by uh, reading the very famous words of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, um, verses 18, 19, and 20. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so I just would love to just share with you today, really, a few stories of, um, of how we are seeking to apply this scripture in Burundi, in the uh, community that we are working with, and some of the things that God is doing, and some of the things that God is teaching us. Um, and the first to say is, in this scripture, um, I don't know about you, but I was really struck a while back at reading this when... Um, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. And I think I'd been reading that wrong for years and reading it as go and make disciples in all nations. And that little word actually brings a real um, difference to how we understand that scripture. And us as a team in Burundi, we've been seeking to try to take hold of what does this mean to disciple a nation, because it feels a really grand thing, doesn't it? And as Mark just said, in Burundi, we are doing this one by one by one by one, and we are just at the very beginning. And I don't want to claim that we're somewhere that we're not, but we do believe that God has got a plan for Burundi and actually every nation, and that the heart and desire of God is that nations would come, whole nations would come under his lordship. Amen? And so um, in, in Burundi, we're kind of beginning to see this differently and to think differently. And it actually, it just struck me the other day when I was, when I was reading this again, that, that the verse, you know, we often quote this, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. But the bit that comes before that, when Jesus is talking to the 11 disciples and, and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. And it's like, Yes, he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and he wants his kingdom, his rule, and his reign to come in every nation on earth so that people would come to submission of his lordship, that they would become worshippers, that they would know the relationship with him that God has designed us for. 
Yeah, he made us to be worshippers. How amazing is that? Just to revel in him and to enjoy him and, and who he is. And we seem to have strayed so far from that. And even when we're Christians, so often we think it's about following the laws and, you know, I must do this and I must do this and I must do this and I must do this to be a good Christian. And I think actually what we're trying to take hold of it in Burundi is of course, there's things that we, we want to do. We want to have a strong devotional life. We want to be people that pray and know the word of God, absolutely. But there's a, such a bigger picture than that. And we want to see the rule and the reign of Jesus come in every area of life. And to see nations beginning to bow down and become worshippers of Jesus. So, um, that's um, a crowd of our, of our people there. Uh, we are working with, um, intensively working with, um, about 200 families. And um, this is... Uh, the, these are the conditions that we first met our, our friends in um, eight years ago, eight years ago last month actually when we came across this camp. Um, at that point there were about 800 families who had been put in this piece of land having had some years before having had their land and their homes taken from them. And they'd been put on, a, on another piece of land with nothing. They'd kind of established shack-like homes. They were trying to survive. And then the government had come and had burnt everything down and then had put them on a new piece of land. And God really uh, led myself and the person that I was working with at the time to this community. At the time, they were called the Forgotten um, People. And nobody was really supposed to help them. So they had been in complete poverty, squalor, destitute, hopeless. They were hopeless. There was complete despair. And it was overwhelming. To be honest, it was utterly overwhelming. And we started to take food into the camp. The people were not allowed to leave. They were patrolled by armed guards, could potentially be shot if they um, tried to go anywhere. And so they were literally living under bits of straw and plastic and really anything that they could scavenge. And they would sometimes risk trying to get out of the camp to go and scavenge food from literally from the, from the side of the road where beans are sold. And they, you know, they'd go along at the end of the day and pick them up. So really horrendous um, circumstances that um, the families were living in. And, we, and so for many years, we would go into the camp and we would take food and we started to take milk to the children and we tried to put up some better shelters and we would share with people about who God is. And particularly Psalm 113, which talks about God's heart for the poor. And, it, and uh, verses 7 and 8 talk about God lifting up the needy and raising the poor from from the ash heap and seating them with princes and we would share this with um, our now friends and yet to be honest it felt really trite because it's like who am I to stand and share this scripture and um, with our friends who are very literally living in in the mud and actually many of them still are but as I'm hoping to share God is very much um, changing things and it's a very different atmosphere now so that was just to kind of set the context of where our community um, have been in the past and then in uh, 2017 the camp was destroyed and the people were dispersed and to cut a long story short this enabled us to be able to start teaching something which is called foundations for farming used to be called farming God's way and was pioneered in Zimbabwe by a man Brian Aldrieve who was a commercial scale farmer who really got convicted of the fact that he was growing tobacco 
and he'd started to grow food but found that there was no money in growing food and almost went bankrupt and in desperation really sought God and said, God, if you will show me your ways, I will follow them. Show me your ways in farming and I will, will, will follow those. And that's what he did. And over a period of time, he literally would just seek God for revelation and he would seek the scriptures and God began to highlight to him very key principles of what it was to do things in God's way, particularly applied to farming. And so um, there is now a well-established method called Foundations for Farming, but it's not just a method. And this is where it's so exciting because Foundations for Farming is based on God's ways of doing things. It's based on us humbling ourselves and actually going back to the scriptures and saying, God, how did you design things to be? How, how should we be responding in, in actually any area of life? But this is obviously particularly applied to farming. And actually... Um, one of the key things about this Foundations for Farming is it's the most amazing way of discipling people, including ourselves, I have to say. It's had, it's had such an impact on, on us as a team. And, you know, whenever you're trying to teach other people things, God always gets hold of you first and, and uh, wants to do it in your, in your own life and bring transformation in your own life. And so... With Foundations for Farming, one of the key things is that when it's applied faithfully, you get yields that are on average 10 times greater than conventional farming methods. Now, Burundi is at the moment the officially the hungriest nation in the world. I believe, again, I saw the other day on figures it's kind of been in the bottom three and it's now got the not great title of being the hungriest nation in the world. And 95% of people live off the land. Um, most of Burundi is incredibly poor. So in our context in Burundi, this is an absolute game changer. If you can have a small piece of land and people can get... 10 times more crops from it than would they would get from conventional farming methods. And when we first met the community I was just telling you about in the camp, some people had literally starved to death because they had had no food. And then when those that were still alive and had survived were released from the camp, we're like, we have to teach this way of farming. And so we began in just a very small way to teach it on just a tiny piece of land, on a piece of land that we, we owned, and it was just like 10 metres by 12 metres. We just took 20 of our people and gave them the opportunity to learn. And our very first harvest, we got 10 times the national yield, which is phenomenal, and it's a testimony to doing things in God's way. It wasn't us being clever. It's not us having come up with some new method. In Foundations for Farming, there are some key principles which we find in the Bible. And one of them is faithfulness. That when we are faithful with the small, God will trust us with more. And I'm sure you're all familiar of the, with the parable of the, the talents. That God, um, you know, the story when the people were given different amounts of things. And that the emphasis was on what did you do with what God gave to you whether you had one talent or ten talents or, or whatever. And we've tried to apply this in, in our context in Burundi with, with our families that um, have been so devalued and so persecuted and, and spat upon and insulted and rejected and feel as if they have nothing. And yet 
we've tried to, 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 to teach this principle of what does it mean to be faithful with the small? What, what, do, you, what do you have? You have life. You know, they don't have very many possessions at all, but they have life, and not all of their friends have life. And actually, that's the first thing. What are we going to do with, with our lives? Are we going to make them count? Are we going to be kingdom people who, who say, God, you've put me here for a reason, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my life in whatever context we are in. I, I happen to work in Burundi because that's where God called me. There's nothing special about Burundi. There's nothing special about what I do. It's just where God's put me to be. And we all have this um, mission field around us, don't we? We all have family and friends or work colleagues or whatever it is. And we are called to be salt and light. We're kingdom people. We belong to Jesus and we get to carry him, his presence, wherever we go in life. We don't have to be a leader to make a difference. And um, you don't have to be, you know, people often refer to me as a missionary. Personally, I think we're all missionaries. Um, it's just because I happen to be working in a, in a different nation. But um, what God is asking of us all is to be faithful with what we have in the context that, that we are in and then trust him to increase it. And so we've been seeking to teach this um, to our families. Um, let me just skip through. So... These are some of our people, and we meet on the sides of the fields uh, where we teach our, our farming. We have what we call field church. We haven't had a building for ages. We've actually just got one in recent months. Um, but for many years, we had nowhere to meet, and so we would meet on the, on the fields, and that's where we would teach people about who God is. That's where we would teach people how to farm in God's ways. That's where we would teach people about being faithful with the small and about God wanting to use them. And, and again, it kind of at the beginning, it just felt like um, to, to our people, they would, they would really struggle to understand that they mattered enough that God would want to use them. But in Burundi, we live with a promise that God has given us that we're going to see transformation in that nation. And, and actually, I believe that that's God's heart for every nation because transformation is seeing his kingdom come, his rule and his reign. But we've taken hold of this promise in, in Burundi and we've, we've taken hold of those scriptures in Psalm 113 and we've sought to, um, for all of us to really understand what God's heart is and that he is who he says he is. And if he says he's going to lift the poor out of the, the dust and, the, and, and off the ash heap, he is going to do it. And then it says he's going to seat them with princes. And so we've been saying to our friends, actually... Yes, you're poor and your circumstances are horrendous and there's no denying that. And even now they still are. But you need to not see yourselves as victims. We need to not see ourselves as victims. As we were singing this morning, we're children of God, hey? How, how amazing is that? We're not victims. Yes, circumstances may be, may be hard, but we need to see ourselves as those who are valued and deeply loved by God and have a part to play in, in seeing transformation come in nations. And, and for us as churches, it's like, what are we here for? We're here to impact our communities and to bring change and to see change come in, in culture and, um, and in the laws and in, as I keep saying, in every area. Is that not right? And it's like, 
wow, what value does that give us? That first of all, God made us for a relationship with him, but then he's given us the privilege, actually, of representing him to those around us. And, you know, in Genesis, it says we're image bearers. And, you know, we often, we don't feel like we've got very much to offer, and yet God made us to bear his image. And therefore, when we, in whatever setting that we're in, we get to represent him. And the more that we allow Jesus to change us and the more that we're obedient to him and the ways that he wants us to live and we learn to apply his word in our lives, the more like Jesus we're going to become and the more that people will see Jesus in us. And I, that's just like the most incredible privilege and it gives our lives such value regardless of whether we're working in another nation or not. It really doesn't matter. It's just being faithful wherever God has, has put us. And so we've been... We've been teaching our, our, our friends. It's like, for all of us, let's not see ourselves as victims, but let's believe that God wants to use us to bring um, transformation wherever we are. And they really are. You know, they're the poorest of the poor in one of the poorest nations in the world and have been utterly broken and persecuted for years on end. And yet we've seen them begin to take hold of these truths and we're beginning to see um, a really amazing impact. And um, uh, last week, actually, we were on our way to, to gather as a church and our car broke down again. And um, we had to get a taxi and it's a taxi that we often use. And um, the driver took us, it's about an hour away from, from where I live to where we, where we meet. Um, and he was saying to us on the way, he's, he's done a lot, our car's broken down a lot, so we've used a lot of taxis, so um, he, we've got to know this guy quite well, and, and um, he picked us up at the end of when we'd been meeting as well, and on the way back, he was saying, he said to us, he's like, there's something different about you guys, he said, and he said, what I've noticed about you is, he says, you teach people who God is, and he said, you're not just teaching whatever you want to teach about and he said you love people and um and it just really struck me again and it's like you know it says doesn't it in the bible that that we'll be we'll be known as disciples by the way that we by the way that we we love one another and he had seen something different and it's just like for us we're just going about our daily life and that particular morning was actually a really difficult morning we'd had a really difficult time and none of us really wanted to be there and then the car thing and one thing and another all sorts of things but you know those mornings when you're just like um, <laughs> and yet somehow through it all he had seen something of God on display and it's like praise you God you know it's like we just have this amazing privilege. And so even for our friends, you know, part of the, I guess, one of the foundational things of, of, of what we're trying to do in terms of discipleship is, is to build in that we are all valued and that we are all loved and God has a purpose for each and every one of us, regardless of color, age, race, um, you know, wealth or, or, or whatever. Um, Anyway, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> right. Um, okay, this is some of our folk, yeah, just um, celebrating their, their, um, one of their harvests. So um, just to throw in, we've, this, this um, 
last farming season, we've just harvested maize, our 200 families. And uh, for the first time, we gave them their own plots back in September. And we're trying to lead them towards taking more responsibility for feeding themselves. So we've been training them for a while, and then we gave them their own plots. And, and we're like, okay, now you know the skills, you apply them. And we kind of had mixed messages coming through um, at the beginning and it was just like you know have are people really going to apply what they have been taught and are we actually going to see change and of course you always get some that don't follow it but on the whole it's been remarkable and it's and again it's just been an opportunity to disciple people week by week by week by week and to see them taking hold of of what God says and about um, in Foundations for Farming there's some key principles doing things on time to a high standard without wastage and with joy and if you if you think of those principles actually they're really transformational principles and even in in Africa timekeeping is terrible and everything is late and um, people don't really care there's not really a strong work ethic now obviously that's a massive generalization but I think most people would say Africa's, Africa's kind of known for for you know being a bit um, sloppy and and you know just it happens when it happens and because there's so much poverty people don't necessarily really care and they don't really bother about doing things well and yet when God made the earth he said it was very good and so we want to replicate that in what we're doing in farming. And one of the keys in farming is, is when you do things well and you do things to a high standard, your yields go up. And so there's just these really practical things for us in terms of this kind of everyday discipleship that when we're trying to teach our families how to feed themselves, that we've also got these amazing opportunities to say, look, this is how God set up the world to be. And if we follow it and if we do these things in life, not just in farming, we will see um, transformation. So anyway, amazingly, we just harvested a few weeks ago and um, each person who'd harvested their plot got to keep and take home what, what they had grown. And it was phenomenal. It really was phenomenal what God has done and the joy and the hope that was in the, the community. And uh, in Burundi, the national average yield from one hectare of land is one tonne. And we got the equivalent of seven tonnes per hectare. By, by doing things in God's ways, hey? It's amazing. And so it's like, you know, we're talking about this in farming, but actually that's true for whatever it is in life. If we learn to apply the word of God, isn't it? It's just amazing what God will do. Anyway, so here we are, um, field church. We, we pray, we worship, we preach, we uh, have seen healings at the side of the field. We've even seen somebody delivered. Um, I don't know, will this... This is a bit of video. Will this play? You get the sound. Oh, I can't hear anything, probably because I didn't set it up properly. <laughs> I didn't tell you. Anyway, we worship at the sides of the field. And we have seen, um, up until the end of last year, we'd seen 150 people in our community saved, many at the side of the field. Um, and then since January this year, we've now started a new count and... 13 people have been saved so far this, this year, which is phenomenal. God is very much um, on the move. So 
discipleship is a very big topic for us because we've got all of these new believers, some thought that they were saved before, so they've got some quite a lot of Christian um, background and, can I say, quite a lot of baggage, as I think we all often do, <laughs> that we think we know what it is to be a Christian and saved and whatever. But um, the challenge for us has been enormous, and in our context, um, because our folk are so poor, you can't, we can't, one, you're not allowed to gather people legally. If you gather people, it's seen as a threat to the government. So you have to get permission to gather people. So doing things in groups is quite a challenge. But also because our folk are looking for daily work, none of them are employed. They will all be looking for work every day to be able to feed their families that day. They farm with us twice a week and the rest of the week they are, they're looking for, for work. And so it is a real challenge how you then teach people and lead them on into walking more closely with Jesus and knowing what the Bible says. 80% of our community are illiterate, so we do give people Bibles, but obviously, for those that don't read, um, we need to find other ways. And so a lot of that for us has been the context of farming, and it's very, very real. And, um, and, and because our families have had such a harsh background... You know, sometimes when I talk about these things, it can sound like, oh, it's really lovely, and God breaks in at every moment, and God is doing amazing things. But I want to tell you, we have seen some horrific things, and we have this amazing time of worship on the field, and God will be meeting with people, and then we'll go to leave, and there'll be two ladies literally punching each other, you know? And you'll be like, what is going on? You know? And then it's like, actually, nobody's ever taught them how to behave. You know, they've been in a, in a camp oppressed for 15 years where they've had to fight for survival. And so the very basics of life about, I mean, the num I can't tell you the number of times I've had to pull people off people. I used to be a teacher. I've dealt with more things in Burundi than I ever did in my 11 years of teaching in the UK, where you're hiking off a lady. It's like, oh, <laughs> what are you thinking? Hang on a minute. But all of these are obviously opportunities for discipleship and so much of our time is spent one-on-one -on -one with people talking through challenges, talking through issues and saying, what does God say about this? You know, what does God say about how you handle jealousy that has just made you attack that, that lady? Let's just step back, be calm, right, now let's think. And so it really is very raw for us, and we have had many, many, many challenges like that, but they are opportunities. And little by little by little, we are seeing some changes. We've got a way to go, have to be honest. But uh, there we are, that's people, some of our folk being um, saved at the field side, and um, Sylvester from our team just talking through with them and what this now means and the commitment that they have just made. And uh, lots of ministering to people. Sometimes we, we minister with smaller groups. All of our trainees are in smaller groups. And so we go around and at the start of every lesson of farming, there is, there is teaching about something to do with who God is. Even if you're planting your seeds, when they plant their seeds, you give each of your three seeds in a little planting station equal um, equal spacing and you're teaching people you know this shows us God doesn't have favorites you know each of those seeds we want to give equal nutrition and light and that will all help to give you um, you know your good yields but the lesson in that is that God doesn't have favorites he loves you he loves me the same regardless of our background
So we have tried, and we do do more formal, more formal discipleship, um, but it's difficult, as I say, because if people find work that day, understandably, they're not going to come to a discipleship class. But So depending on how much work is available often depends on how many people we, we get. So sometimes there's a huge crowd and uh, other times less so, uh, which is good in the sense that they've, they've found work. But, um, and then uh, we've also done some classes for new believers, but the challenges have been enormous, as I say, because we can't really gather people all together um, as we might have hoped to do otherwise so we've had to find other ways um, this is two members of our team and uh, our team work with us full-time and therefore we have a different opportunity with our team um, some of our team are from the community that I've been telling you about so we are seeing God raise them up and they're now beginning to teach and train others which is amazing to see um, but in this context we're able to be very very intentional and every week, or nearly every week, we have what we call an encounter and equip day for our team. And those are days when we seek to encounter God together and look at scripture and, and, uh, and basically look to God to equip us for what he's called us to. Um, these are some of our families. Um, our families are living in pretty horrendous conditions even now. Although we're just on a new initiative that we feel God has led us into called Rebuild and Restore, where we're trusting God to give back to our families what they had taken from them. But the reality is right now they're living in some pretty awful conditions. And uh, I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you. Many, many of you and you as a church have given and continue to give to support our friends. And thank you so much because the practical support is leading people to encounter Jesus. You know, there's such desperation. Even with us helping, many of our families will only eat once a day. And if they, you know, something else happens in life where they need to divert funds, then, you know, they, they will even struggle to do that sometimes. It really is pretty horrendous. And they're living in a single room, on the floor, living, sleeping, eating, cooking in that one room, um, often with five kids sleeping on a mat together, um, no sanitation, no running water. It's, it's awful, and your support is making a huge difference as we provide some food, we provide milk for children, porridge for particularly malnourished children. And there have been many testimonies out of that, as, as families will say, we prayed and God answered. And, you know, we talk about their friends, and sometimes we show them pictures of you and of others, and we say, your friends have given God is who he says he is. And again, it's just that opportunity to disciple people through the, through the crisis of, you know, God really is. He says he's your provider. Don't look to us. Don't look to me with the white skin. I can't solve all these problems. It's too much. We must look to God together. And as time is going on, we're seeing that um, more and more. Um, this is our friend Christelle. And this was just a couple of weeks ago. Um, we went to visit some of our families in, in their homes. And uh, I don't know if you can see in that picture there. Let me go on to the next one. Um, this is the inside of Christelle's house, um, a little mud house. Um, just one of her children was with, was with her then, but she's actually got four other children um, that were at school. And um, this is where she's living, literally in the mud. 
And we went and we sat and we were just asking her how she was, she was doing. And without any prompting at all, she turned around and uh, we've got it on video, but it's a little bit long. But she's just talking and she's saying, she said, you know, this is, this is hard. She said, living here is hard, but I'm grateful I have a roof. But she said, I know God is going to lift me up. She said, and I know that this isn't where I'm going to stay. You know, and you just like, that is amazing that in those conditions that she can give testimony of the hope that she has got, that things are going to be different. And she's not looking particularly to anybody else to, pro to provide. That's what really struck her. She was like, I know God. I know that God is going to keep his promise. And it's like, amen. <laughs> And please, Lord, you know, we want it to happen as quickly as possible. Time is going right. As I say, it's not all breakthroughs every moment of the day by any means. This particular morning, this was just about four weeks ago or so, and it was on the back of our harvest that had brought great joy in the community, and our families had at least six months of food from this tiny plot of land that we had loaned them, which was amazing, and there was great rejoicing, and we'd worked really carefully with our families beforehand, and we'd said to them, we're giving you special sacks to store your maize so that the rats don't get in, and so it doesn't go off, because there's no point in you farming for six months if, uh, sorry, having food for six months if it's not going to actually you know be edible for six months and we said to them please do not sell your food and we <laughs> we said to them we know what will happen and you know what will happen you will get the money and the money will be blown within a few days and then you'll come to us and you'll be like I'm hungry I've got no money to feed you know I can't afford to feed my children can you help me and we took quite a harsh line actually and we said if you do that we're going to say no because we've warned you, and it's for your best that you keep your food. And we, we have another ministry, we call it Kingdom Care, where if people are in hardship, they can come, and we talk to them, and we try to apply biblical principles to that as to whether or not we, we help them or whether or not it's more of a lesson of, you know, no, actually, we're not going to help you with this because you went and you spent your money on alcohol. And it does happen, you know? And so we're trying to teach responsibility. And that's tough to do when people are in such poverty. But we're not there to create a dependency. We want people to be looking to God. We want people to, to learn to take responsibility. And, of course, all of this is discipleship. Anyhow, so most of the community are rejoicing. And there's loads of hope. And there's loads of joy. And we were sending our trainers out to weigh the harvest so we knew exactly what yields we've got. We have to give our figures into the government and things. And so we had to do that. It took four days to go around all of the families to weigh everything. And of course, in that process, we find out that some people, nine people have, uh, sorry, 15 people have sold all of their maize. And then you're like, what? gutting and what we'd actually said to them as well as the fact don't come and tell us you're hungry if you sell your maize we'd also said you won't have your plot your small plot next season because you need to be faithful with the small 
And if you're not faithful with the small, God's not going to add to it. And we just felt, because we've been training them for a long time, that we had to be really strict on this. And actually, this is part of discipleship too, isn't it? That there's consequences. Yes, God is gracious. Yes, God is merciful. But actually, we have to learn that if we don't do things in God's ways, and if we don't, um, if we don't appreciate what we have and learn to value it then there are consequences and that they're going to lose out. And better that they, they find that out now while they're still with us on our training program than next year when we're not so intensely involved. And, and so we, it was hard. And as a team, we were, gosh, the hours that we spent seeking God over it, it's like now we've really got to carry through what we've said. How do we do this? And it was really, to be honest, it was heartbreaking. We were gutted that there was 15 people. We thought there was nine, and then we discovered that there was 15 out of the 200 families. And so what we did was we, we um, waited till they went into their farming groups, and then our trainers brought out the naughty people, as we call them, <laughs> for want of a better word, and brought them to our center. And we had searched the scriptures, and we, and we looked at, how God disciplines those he loves. And we got them together that morning and initially they came in and we said, you know, why they were there and that they were there because they'd sold their maize and we'd already had every single case investigated so we knew what the situation was. And initially they came in and they were kind of quite feisty and aggressive and, and we were like, no, this isn't the time for, for, for making excuses now. This is the time just to listen and see what God might say to you. And we shared with them about how God disciplines those that, that he loves. And honestly, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. The presence of God just came among us. And you can see in the photo there, people just fell to their knees and started repenting. And actually, nine of these people are our most persistent offenders, as it were, in our community. And they're the ones that we're nearly always having problems with. They're, you know, let's just like, yeah, anyway. Um, and, and there they were, on, the, on their knees, tears dripping down their faces, some of them. And um, four of them were saved. And then somebody had a word, a scripture from Isaiah 61 about being free from bondage. And, and, um, and the, God wanted to just take the chains off people. And we just had the most incredible time of people really encountering God. And uh, one of those ladies, Madol, she has been probably our biggest nightmare. And... <laughs> And now she, like, she looks completely different. God met with her through her kind of rebellion and rescued her. And she's now on a different path. And it's just like, it's phenomenal what, what God is doing um, by really us just really very tough at times, but to try to apply the truth and the word of God in every situation so anyway let me just quickly come to an end just to say this is uh, this is actually a photo from last year this guy's from the minister ministry of agriculture he came to visit our crops last year he declared them a miracle and he said you guys have to share this with the nation and the reason that I say that is one what a testimony to doing things in God's ways but the incredible thing is that the ones that are now 
teaching, we're just starting to teach people from across the nation, are these guys who have been so poor and so broken and God is raising them up and he's now using them to train others. And we've had pastors, agronomists, um, people from the government, people from research institutes. We had somebody from Congo the other day. We've had somebody from Australia come to, to visit. And they're amazed at what God is doing. And because now we've got these opportunities um, of people that we have now trained that are in nine of, of um, Burundi's 18 provinces, what an opportunity to disciple a nation. Isn't it phenomenal? Because it isn't just about a farming method. And we're seeing what God has done in our community. And now he's putting those who are poor and broken at the forefront of what he's doing in this very, very broken nation. And it's like, yes, Lord, more, do more, do more, do more. Okay, let me just uh, whiz to the end. Um, I'm going to skip through these. This, this is Maria. We visited her last weekend. We, uh, we suddenly got a call that four of our families had lost their homes. And uh, so we went out to this area. She actually hadn't lost her home that, that particular day. But there'd been a, like a mini kind of hurricane thing that came through and just flattened their homes. And we went to that community and, and Maria was there and she got out the Bible that she's given us. And, um, and she just, it was it last Last week was really tough, actually, and it was really pressured, and we got this call, and we're like, okay, we just go, we dropped everything, and, and we went on the Saturday afternoon, and, and we sat with her, and she said, I, I want to read Psalm 113. She said, and she read those verses about God lifting up the poor and, uh, and the needy, and, and she said, this is what he's doing for us. And, and it just melted my heart, and I'm like, yes, it's worth it. <laughs> Moments like that that kind of make it worth it. And then just to, to end, really, this lady, Chantelle, again, one of our most difficult ladies in the past. She's been saved. She's met with God. She's so different to what she was. We were at the fields the other day. This was harvest day for her group, and she came and excitedly told us um, a story of what had happened. And she said that there was a very big military person um, who'd arrived um, in a kind of armored vehicle with bodyguards and all the rest of it, and they'd pulled up. He'd pulled up alongside her crops, and um, he'd got out of the car, and his bodyguards kind of, you know, gone around him. We don't know who he was, but clearly he was probably somebody quite important in the eyes of the world. And, um, and he said to, to Chantel, he said, tell me what must I pay you to grow food like this? I mean, what a thing to happen. And it's like, what must I pay you? And as she's telling this story, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what did she say? <laughs> anyway, what she said was, she said, she said, we've been trained. I can train you, sir, she said. I can train you. I've got a certificate, she said. I've got a certificate. I can train you. We've learned how to do things in God's ways. She said, I'm telling you, I will come and I will teach you, and then you can decide how much to pay me. Exactly. I was like, whoa. <laughs> God, you really are at work. And it's... It's God's ways, you know, and it's come through just all of us really just trying to work together to take what's in here 
and to say, how do we really apply this to every aspect of life? God is good. Amen. Thank you so much, everyone.